there this morning and for leading us into the Lord's presence. Thank you, praise team, for the scripture that you read and the songs that you led us in this morning. It's uh, such a blessing, so thank you. Well, I wonder if you have um, ever found an apparent contradiction in the Bible. Now, I say apparent contradiction because there are no contradictions in the Bible. Uh, The Bible is consistent with itself. But if there ever did seem to be a contradiction, it is with the sixth beatitude. Uh, The sixth beatitude in our series uh, in Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, to see God is a euphemism for going to heaven and living in God's full presence. And in order to do that, Jesus says, we must be pure in heart. When he says, they shall see God, the emphasis here is they and they alone. They and they only. It is only the pure in heart who will go to heaven and live in the full presence of God. Now, in light of that, I want you to look with me at Proverbs 20, verse 9, and notice what it says. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean, and without sin? Now, it is clear here that the anticipated answer from the writer to Proverbs, Solomon, is no one can say this. Now, the heart here is a reference to the center of our personhood. It includes all of our thoughts, our emotions, and all of the decisions that we make on a daily basis. For someone to say, I have kept my heart clean, would be to claim that all of the decisions and motives are faultless and pure. Anyone want to raise your hand and say that's you? I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Does anyone see a little problem here this morning? To go to heaven, we have to be thoroughly pure and clean. Jesus is demanding purity at the very center of our being, covering our total person. And yet no one meets that standard. Proverbs 20, verse 9, foils every single one of us. And so here's the question that we have to ask this morning. The question that all of us must deal with and answer is how do we become pure in heart? Do you know that is the most important question any person can ever ask of themselves because where we will spend eternity, heaven or hell, hangs on the answer to this question. How many of you are grateful this morning the Bible provides the answers for us? Look at this dilemma. And yet the Bible provides the answers for us. This morning, I want to look at those answers together with you, all right? Here is the first one. The Bible tells us that only 
the Lord Jesus can create a pure heart. If you would take your Bibles and turn back with me to Psalm 51, I want you to notice what David says in verse 10 of this wonderful psalm. Psalm 51, and I want you to notice what David says in verse 10 of this wonderful psalm. Listen to his words. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, the word that is used here for create is the same word in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now David says, O God, create in me a pure heart. Now, you know, in Psalm 51, David is confessing his sins of adultery, of murder, and of cover-up. And he knew he did not have a pure heart. In fact, he knew he had a corrupt, sinful heart. He tells us in verse 5, he was born that way. Look at verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And so David is saying that his sins revealed that he had a corruption deep within. And now he says, just as God created the world fresh and new, so David needed a heart that was created fresh and new. What is very interesting is uh, in the Gospels, when Jesus cleansed lepers, The word for their cleansing is the word pure. It is the same word used in the sixth beatitude, katharos is the Greek word. Now, leprosy was a skin disease in the Bible that illustrates our spiritual condition before God. Leprosy was incurable. Uh, The leper was unclean. He was isolated from God because he could not go to the synagogue. And he was isolated from people because he could not live in society. In fact, the leper could not even spend time with his own family. Lepers lived in leper colonies. By the way, isn't it amazing there are still leper colonies around the world to this very day? Leprosy was a slow, painful disease that led to certain death. And there was not a single thing a leper could do to cure their lives. Yet I want you to listen to what Jesus did time and time again for lepers. Listen to this. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me pure. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be pure. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. That's what Jesus was able to do. 
Now, the Bible is saying to us then, that's what we need on the inside. Just as you see these lepers, so we are in our hearts. We are incurable. We are unclean. We are separated from God, helpless and headed for eternal death. But Jesus can give us a new heart. In fact, would you read with me this morning? This new heart from Ezekiel 36 that is describing what Jesus can do for those who come to him. Join me in reading about this new heart. Let's read it together. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That's what it means to be born again. That is what it means to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, wouldn't you love to have Jesus do this for you? Wouldn't you? Only Jesus can create a pure heart. Here's the second answer to the question, how do we get a pure heart? Second answer is, we must come to Jesus for a pure heart, the way of the Beatitudes. You see, what we've been discovering is the Beatitudes are how we come to Jesus for a pure heart. There was a a very wonderful Lutheran Bible teacher by the name of Richard Lenski. And Richard Lenski said this, the Beatitudes are a perfect chain not a loose aggregation. In other words, the Beatitudes are a perfect chain with link after link that takes us to Jesus so that he will give us a pure heart. Now let me ask you, as I put up on the screen what we have been learning in the Beatitudes, ask you, have you come to Jesus in this way? Poor in spirit, confessing our total need before God. Mourning, broken over our sinful condition. Meek, humble and submissive before God. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Desiring the righteousness which He alone can give. And then mercy, asking for God's mercy to save us. Have you come to Jesus like this? One of Jesus' favorite invitations was, come to me. Jesus promised, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And he said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Can I ask us this morning, are you not weary of your impure heart? 
Are you not burdened of that impure heart? And would we today not want to come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I want a new heart. I want a new heart. Jesus Christ has taught us week after week after week in these Beatitudes so that we could come to Him And ask Him for a pure heart. Isn't it wonderful this morning? Oh, how wonderful it is. Now, there is a third answer to this question. The Bible gives us a third answer to the question, how do we get a pure heart? And that answer is this. We must continually purify our hearts by self-examination. Now, up until now, I have been talking to people who have never been born again. But right now, when we come to this third answer to the question, how do we get a pure heart? We are now talking to every one of us here today who has been born again. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John 3. And I want you to notice some very wonderful things that John says to us as Christians. First John 3, and I want you to start with me in verse 2. And notice that he says, once we come to Jesus for a new heart, we become children of God, dear friends. Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. Then he says, in heaven, we are going to be perfectly purified into the likeness of the Lord Jesus someday. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But in the meantime, since we have an old nature as a Christian, We need continual purifying. Look at verse 3 where he says, Everyone who has this hope in Jesus purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. And so now what he is saying is this, with a new heart, we can begin to purify our lives because Jesus lives within us and purifying ourselves occurs through the process of self-examination. A few years ago at the uh, Chicago Pastors Conference, uh, Pastor Hank and I were there with about a thousand other pastors. And we were in a session where we were having a question and answer with uh, Pastor John MacArthur. And one of the fellows way in the back uh, raised his hand and he asked this question. He says, uh, when does self-examination become counterproductive? And Pastor MacArthur answered this question this way, when you think you're clean. And of course, all the pastors in the room, (laughs) we just started laughing because it wasn't what we expected him to say. But clearly, he was answering in a humorous way, yet he meant no Christian is ever perfectly clean Therefore, self-examination is 
always needed. It is always needed. In fact, the Bible says to us as believers, if we want to have hearts that are continually being purified, we have to examine ourselves in a number of very critical ways. Let's follow this word pure through the Bible a little bit and find out the ways that we have to examine ourselves. First of all, we have to examine ourselves for substituting religious actions for right living. Uh, Turn back with me to James chapter 1, and I want you to notice how James speaks to this in verses 26 and 27. Um, Notice what he says, and this is so important for us to get in our hearts today. Look what he says. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, the word religion here that James uses means the practice of worship. Like we are doing right now in this service. You know what I found? It's very easy to do. It's very easy to think that because I'm in a spiritual place doing spiritual things, that I'm pleasing to God. But did you notice what James says here? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure. The word pure here is the same word in the sixth beatitude. And so I want you to notice what James is saying. The kind of worship God is looking for is the evidence of the beatitudes. Notice what it is. Looking after orphans and widows in their distress. Blessed are the merciful and keeping oneself from being polluted by the world. Blessed are the pure in heart. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying a beatitude kind of life is the real religion that God is looking for rather than just simply the outward actions that we would give. I'll never forget having this illustrated in a very powerful way. Uh, Ellen and I were, were buying a car one time from a car dealer who had a foul mouth. And I remember being shocked as he swore uh, several times right in the presence of Ellen. And I remember how we both felt very uncomfortable hearing this man use these curse words. But then you know what he told me he was going to do? He said he was going to church to usher for the installation of the new minister. And he had a total, total disconnect. Here he was uh, planning to go do his religious thing, 
while at the same time he had a foul mouth. Now notice what James would say about that. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. And his religion is worthless. Do you know what a polluted tongue is evidence of? A polluted heart. And ushering at an installation is worthless while our mouth is foul. And if this man wanted his ushering to be acceptable, he needed to clean up his mouth. Do you see what James is saying to us? God always wants right living first and then religious actions. We can never emphasize that enough. God always wants right living first and then religious actions. And we must examine ourselves to make sure that we are not putting religious actions first and then somehow forgetting about right living. It must always be right living first and then religious actions. Remember what Micah the prophet said in the famous verse, Micah 6, 8? He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. By the way, you know what those are? Those are Beatitudes 3, 4, and 5. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to walk humbly with your God, to act justly, and to love mercy. It's always the way it is. And so God is saying to us, when we examine our lives, we must make sure we are not substituting religious actions for right living. Let's look at a second area of self-examination. Second area is failure to keep a clean conscience. Failure to keep a clean conscience. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I want you to notice what Paul said to Timothy in verse 5, and then again in verse 19. Look at his very important words. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, did you notice this? A pure heart and a good conscience go together. It's so important, look down at verse 19, he says, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Now, what is interesting is the Greek word here for conscience means self-judgment. Self-judgment. When we are judging ourselves, our conscience is a good conscience and it is working well. 
I think one of the best descriptions of the conscience I've ever heard is the conscience is like the skylight. Uh, some of us here today have skylights in our home, and a skylight doesn't create light. What it does is it lets light in. And so God's Word is the skylight, and our job is to let that light in through self-examination. Now, you know what happens. If the skylight gets dirty, the light is blocked, and the conscience fails to work. This is why Peter, in 1 Peter 3.16, encourages us, Keep a clear conscience, and Paul warns us in 1 Timothy 4.2 that it is possible to ignore our conscience to the point where it can become seared. Paul talks about people whose conscience is seared as with a hot iron. Now let me just tell you what that imagery is used of. The imagery there of searing the conscience is used of branding cattle. And you know what happens? After a a, a cow is branded, the place where the brand now is becomes calloused and insensitive because the the skin, the, the hide, has been seared with that hot iron. Paul is saying to us the same thing can happen in our life. When we fail to listen to our conscience, it grows calloused and insensitive. And let me just say this to us this morning. Once our conscience becomes seared, we will let in all kinds of impurity into our life. And so Paul is saying, You want to have a pure heart? You must have a clear and a clean conscience. One of the best statements I've ever read about the conscience is this statement right here. Look at it very carefully with me. If I am in the habit of steadily facing toward God, my conscience will always introduce God's perfect law and indicate what I should do. This is how we keep a clean conscience that then leads to a pure life. We examine ourselves by facing towards God in His Word. As we face towards God in His Word, our conscience introduces God's perfect law. And that perfect law tells us what we must do or what we must correct. And so, one of the ways that we have a pure heart is by living with a clear conscience. Let's look at a third area of self-examination. Thirdly, we must examine ourselves for playing the hypocrite by living a lie. We must examine ourselves for playing the hypocrite 
by living a lie. Turn back to Psalm 24 for just a moment. And I want you to notice what David says in verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 24. In fact, as you look at these verses, you will discover that this is the passage that the sixth beatitude is based on. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, notice what David says in verse 3. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Now, notice the answer. He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, or as the text note says, or swear falsely. Now here in this verse, which the sixth beatitude is based on, uh, the word pure heart means to live with integrity. For a child of God, to lift up his soul to an idol, that's hypocrisy. For a child of God to swear falsely, that is, make a promise, and no, I'm not going to keep that promise, that's hypocrisy. Now, I want you to notice, then, what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is living a lie and keeping secrets. By the way, let me just apply this to my own life as well as to your life. Whenever we are doing something, we do not want someone to know we are in serious, serious trouble. Let me say that again. Whenever we are doing something, we do not want someone to know we are in serious trouble. You see, two things will usually happen when we are keeping secrets. Number one... We will fool ourselves into thinking we are getting away with it because nobody else knows. Are we ever getting away with anything? No. God always knows. In fact, God says this in Numbers 32, 23. He says, if you sin against me, be sure your sins will find you out. We are never getting away with anything, and when we keep secrets, we think we are. Secondly, the longer we live in hypocrisy, the longer we delay the wrong, therefore the stronger it grows in our life. You see, here's the great danger with hypocrisy. I'm doing something that nobody knows, and I think I'm getting away with it. The longer I live in that hypocrisy, the stronger it grows, and so hypocrisy actually makes it more difficult to overcome hypocrisy because it grows stronger and stronger and stronger until I'm to the point where I say, I cannot break what I'm doing, and therefore I continue living in my hypocrisy. So here's what happens. We keep living in secrecy because we can't give it up. By the way, what's the solution? Never keep secrets. 
Never hide anything. Live your life like an open book. Never keep secrets. Never hide anything. Live your life like an open book because anything else will make it impossible to live a pure life. An author one day went to the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon. He said to him, I would like to have permission to write your life story, Mr. Spurgeon. And here's how Spurgeon responded. You may write my life in the skies. I have nothing to hide. What a statement. You want to write a biography about my life, research my entire life. You may write that biography in the skies. I have nothing to hide. And as a believer, that is the only safe way to live. It is the only safe way to live. Look at these areas of self-examination as a Christian. We have to examine ourselves. Am I substituting religious actions for right living? Am I failing to keep a clear conscience? And am I playing the hypocrite by living a lie? It is only when we are continually examining our lives that we will be purifying ourselves in the way that God calls us to. Some of you may know that William Sangster was a, a wonderful and well-known Methodist pastor. and He has gone on to be with the Lord. But I'm so grateful that in God's providence, Pastor Sangster left us some questions to ask to examine our lives. And I would like to close this morning with these questions. In fact, maybe you could read them with me. Here they are from the pen of Pastor Sangster. Would you read them with me? Just one at a time, as, as I indicate. Let's read them, shall we? Here's the first one. Am I clean in thought, word, and deed? And since no one can be perfectly clean in thought, word, and deed, when I am unclean, do I confess that sin to God and seek His cleanness? Question two, together. Is Christ, so far as I can, head of my home? Number three. Do they know I am a Christian where I work? Four. Are other people likely to be drawn to better things for knowing me? Five. Do I guard time each day for prayer and study of my Bible? Six. 
Do I go regularly to church and to communion? By the way, let me just stop there. It deeply concerns me when I see Christian people who never attend communion. Communion is the one time as a corporate body we examine ourselves together in silent prayer before we partake of communion. Communion is a wonderful time of self-examination and it deeply concerns me when I see Christians who regularly absent themselves from the Lord's table. That is an unwise and unhealthy practice. And that is a great question from Pastor Sangster. Next question, number seven. Read it with me together. Do other people find it easy to work with me in Christian work? Number eight. Am I generous so far as I am honestly able to good causes? And finally, number nine. Am I growing in Christ? Has it been steady growth? One of the questions that haunts me is this question. If there's ever a time in your life that you were closer to the Lord than you are right now, you are backslidden. When I first heard that question, Oh, how that question penetrates my life. Has there ever been a time that I've been closer to the Lord than I am right now? If so, I'm backslidden. And I need to get back on the grow with Jesus because it is the only way that I can continue to purify my life as I grow with Him. Let's close this service this morning, shall we, in prayer together. And let's thank the Lord for all that He has for us and all that He is doing in our lives. Let's bow our hearts and close our eyes for just a moment. Listen, you may be here today and you're not sure that you've been born again. Only Jesus can create a pure heart in you. And the only way that He will do that is if you come the way of the Beatitudes. And I want to give you the chance right now to let Jesus save you. Would you say to Him from your heart, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm an unworthy leper. And I know that I have nothing by which I could claim your grace. But I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And Lord Jesus, I'm coming now. I'm humbling myself. I'm, I'm repenting. I'm turning away from my own way. And I'm turning, Lord Jesus, to you. You said, anyone who came to you, you would never drive away. And Lord Jesus, I'm coming. Come into my heart and be my Savior. Come into my life and be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a child of God. Give to me the gift of eternal life. 
Lord Jesus, from this day forward, because you now will live in me, I will follow you with all my heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. And then for those of us who have been born again, are we examining our lives? Are we seeking to make sure that that we are pure and clean in the way that God desires? If God has put his finger upon some area of our life, some area of disobedience, some area of inconsistency, some area of secrecy, some area that is sham in our life, oh, would you deal with God right now? Do business with him. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If we sow to the flesh, we will from the flesh reap corruption. If we sow to the Spirit, we will from the Spirit reap life. And today, as Jesus calls us to live with a pure heart, May we allow his word to deeply examine the recesses of our being that we might be people that live with a clear and a clean conscience. Oh, Lord Jesus, how we thank you today for what you have done for us. How we thank you that You have picked us up out of the miry clay and you have set our feet upon a rock. You have given us a new song to express the new heart that we have. And now, Lord Jesus, through your wonderful word, you are showing us the path that leads to purity of heart. And today, with gladness of heart and gratefulness, we follow you. Our lives are an open book before you. Come and cleanse them and purify them as you long to do, we will thank you, Lord, and praise you. For Jesus' sake, amen.